Okay, I'm joined now by Paul Merriman, who's the financial planner and founder of askpaul.ie. Welcome, Paul. And we're going to talk about money, Paul. People don't like talking about money, do they? No, in particular Irish people, I think, Brendan. Um, It's a bit of a taboo subject, to be fair, probably still. Um, I think we probably got born with a lot, obviously, by the financial crisis too. Um, But yeah, I think uh, we started Ask Paul over seven years ago now, trying to break down the barriers through social media and getting people to (coughs) comment and engage. And it's worked. Okay, so you're a financial planner. Yes. Most people probably don't think they need a financial planner. That mm-hmm. That's something for people who have, you know, loads of money yeah. to invest or money in the family or something like that. Yes, in fairness, you're dead right. Um, we believe in what's called advice equality at Ask Paul. So we've got people that would invest from €100 Euro per month right away up to clients that have millions from either selling businesses um, or inheriting the same. Uh, we're lucky enough in the odd Monday morning we get a lot of winners ringing us saying what to do with the money. Uh, see, there was one there over the weekend. Um, so yeah, it's not. I think investing and financial planning is for absolutely everybody, no matter what um, your background is, no matter what your salary is, uh, what you actually currently have in the bank. I think people think financial planning, um, you know, like you said, has to have you have big salaries or millions in the bank, uh, but can be as little as, you know, having a plan to maybe get out of debt so maybe have no disposable income on a monthly basis uh, your financial plan this week or this month or this year might be just to get out of debt uh, and start again afresh next year the year after with a savings and investment account so yeah it's definitely not necessary that you have to have big salaries or uh, income or background okay um I think everybody in life probably has, do Do most people tend to have one big motivator, like either a fear or a motivation yeah. that kind of drives them? I, you have one yourself, kind of, don't you? Yeah, that, I yeah. do, yeah. Yeah, so mine would be my health. Um, so I was born with a kidney complaint, uh, so I'd have kidney disease. Um, so my motivation, I suppose, was to, to make sure I could have uh, enough cash and be financially secure for my family, but also to be able to retire early. Uh, I think from 60, it's probably safe to say I'd be looking towards dialysis. Um, so I'm only 41 now um, so yeah we're in a good position as a family um, and yeah I suppose when I get to maybe get to retire a little bit earlier and that's my kind of job as being very blessed with that I suppose and that we see people we've retired hundreds not thousands of people over my 20 year career we see people do it really well and people do it badly and people wait too late and then you see people that have planned the best in the world with a lot of money and their pension for argument's sake and either themselves or their partner or spouse gets stuck with an illness very soon after retirement or unfortunately someone passes away so you're trying to find the financial plan is supposed to give you balance in life obviously yeah. trying to make sure you can spend enough money now one eye in the future um, I think that's where people get it wrong as well sometimes come across people that fund too much into the future as well and don't look after the short term so. that they should live their lives now oh yeah I mean financial planning I think people hear the word financial planner even when it comes to like, the word of a budget it's supposed to help you spend as much as you possibly can well just being comfortable with that and having peace of mind that the future's looked after. So it's not necessarily about saving every single penny. It's actually the opposite. If you have a good financial plan, you should have a really good spending plan in place and be able to enjoy your income, um, especially with your family, especially if you have children as well. Um, Because I'm at that age where everyone I know now has suddenly become obsessed with pensions, right? Yes. And then there's one guy and he's like, guys... You have to live your lives a bit too. Like, what you what, what you want all this pension for? Mm. Is it for soup when you're 90? You know? 100%. Enjoy life while you can. Like. And that's a, that's a great point, Brendan. Like, we do what's called cash flow planning in our practice. So we show clients where they are today. And we forecast them right up to 90. And sometimes we have to tell clients to stop funding pension plans because they're going to leave it to the kids. Now, that sounds great. But in my opinion, you're better off spending it with the kids now, having better holidays, having more time off, maybe going job sharing. 
And genuinely, that's what a financial plan has shown clients that balance. Um, and, and that's really, really important in someone's financial life to have that balance. Okay. Now, so you've written this book, Money Made Easy. And yes. a lot of it is quite, it's quite basic stuff mm-hmm. set out very clearly. Clearly, you're trying to democratise all this yes, for the, for the exactly. guy on the bus who doesn't know what a tracker mortgage is. Yes. <laughs> so you, you, your kind of starting point is this notion uh and it's obvious in a way, but it's not in another way because I don't think we, we tend to think about it. Achieving financial well-being. Yes. What's financial well-being? So financial well-being is different for everybody. Um, you know, and one thing that bugs me is probably seeing, you know, various ad campaigns from banks talking about well-being and financial well-being. So you, you see marketing people will use the word well-being to try and bring people in and sell them financial products. I think well-being needs to start what you want. And I'd ask anybody listening today to think about three financial goals they have. So, you know, most of our clients will come in with the goal of retiring early, maybe starting a mortgage or getting a mortgage, getting on the property ladder or clearing the mortgage early, setting the kids up with education funds, uh, looking at inheritance tax, etc. So you have to set yourself up yourself without coming to see anybody or me or anybody else in the industry. Ask yourself, what are your three financial goals? Uh, and then how are you going to reach those goals? And that's when you might need a financial planner to help you with tax relief or pensions or investment returns. But you need to be happy with your own well-being and on what your finances are. And I suppose it so goes... Presumably at a basic level, that's that you you don't want to be awake at night worrying about money. A hundred percent. And actually the basics of this, uh, I think our, our industry does overcomplicate this in fairness. The basic financial well-being is just getting the payday and having money in the bank. If you've got one euro, 50 euro, two grand, whatever the figure is, you're already there. Then it's making a decision, what do I do with the extra cash? Do I want to spend it all? Do I want to blow it all? The weekends are going out. Great if you do. If that's your wellness, that's your wellness. I can't tell you any differently. But if you do want to retire early or clear the mortgage or set up your own business or go job sharing and spend more time with the kids or take longer parental leave or plan on having kids and want to extend the maternity leave, that's your well-being. I can't tell you what that is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Once you figure that so out. So does every, everybody has their own little obsessions or neuroses everybody about, has, about suppose, what, what would represent success for them in this sphere? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And that's why I always say stay away from what's called a spreadsheet advisor. Uh, I'll give you an example. I think I'll throw this in the book as well. But from a spreadsheet advisor, we come, sometimes come across teachers or nurses in particular that might have what's called an AVC, an additional voluntary contribution to their pension plan. Um, and they get sold then by salespeople that are selling pensions and AVCs in particular. Um, but, you know, we've come across these in the past and they might have 10, 15 or 20 grand in an ABC. Now, they've already got a really good government pension, don't forget, but now they're topping it up and they're still living in their parents' box room. And that money should be in a deposit account waiting for a deposit for a house. Yeah. Uh, there's no point in having too much money for 75 or 65-year-old them when they haven't got the short-term sorted. But again, a pension salesperson isn't going to ask you that question. They want to sell you the pension. Yeah, uh, so they'll okay. show you the spreadsheet okay. that says you put in 150 a month or whatever the figure is, you're going to have an extra X amount of 65. So Okay, so the guy who's selling pensions is encouraging you to mortgage your present for exactly. an uncertain kind of future exactly. and to worry more about the future. 100%. Right? Yeah, okay. where the financial okay. planner should be sitting down and finding out if the, pre- the house and moving out of your parents' house, on example, is your main priority. You need to double down on getting your deposit together, making sure you get on the property ladder, your mortgage, is ready and then swing back for the pension in five years um, and I know the industry always goes against that and says get into the pension as young as possible and I can understand obviously if you've got 40, 45 years in your 20s to fund the pension 
you're going to be better off the summer starting in their 30s or 40s. But, yeah. you know, it's about living for now as well. has to have that balance. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, is budgeting the key building block of all of this, yeah? It is. And I think, again, when people hear the word budget, they automatically freak out and think they're going to be putting the money diet and they can't spend money. It's not a budget. A good budget is a spending plan, as I said earlier on. But the very basis of having a financial plan is being able to know where your money's going, um, how much is coming into the household, whether it's your income, whether it's, you know, children's allowance, whatever, sitting in your account, social welfare payments. And then trying to keep an eye on where it's going and making sure you're fighting for that. Like, if people get paid monthly, you know, you wait a whole month to get your money into your bank account. And then you can just spend it like that, whether it's on your phone, you're paying your watch, uh, you can tap it anywhere these days. You hear the word water used a lot by people these days. They just say it's just like water. It's just like water goes. So easily, like... Exactly. So you just have to keep an eye on where you're spending. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Would you be against to, tapping? Should I would people, be against tapping. people yeah. take out cash at the start of I the week? I think if you're struggling to manage your money, yes, Brent, that's a really good point. You should take out cash. I mean, going back 15, 12, 10, 15 years ago, it was much easier to manage money. You look, open your wallet or your purse, you yeah. had 20, 30 quid left, you knew what you had. And it hurts handing and it over. Exactly. In a way that tapping your phone doesn't like. 100%. People are, it's very hard to think. There's loads of different apps out there to help you budget, etc. But, you know, I, I think there's nothing like if you have cash, if you're struggling to get the payday, and you're struggling to manage your money I would 100% recommend leaving what you need in your current account for your you know your rent your mortgage your bills leave it on your current account any surplus cash use that or else transfer it to the likes of maybe you know, if you have a budget where you say you can spend 100 quid a week transfer it to Revolut maybe and only use that card because when mm-hmm. it runs out it runs out you're not going to overspend your main account and miss a bill or miss a direct debit or miss a mortgage repayment because yeah. it's so easy to do so, so easy in to a way of, like as a, you never see the other money you never, you see never the, feel uh, like you have it you have this oh, money over 100%. here 100% actually get rid of the debit card for that account as well just rip it up you don't need it because whatever's in that account is going is, out is going out anyway <laughs> okay, <laughs> so you don't need yeah. a debit card is debt the most common cause of money problems? Yeah, it's the most it's the most stressful for people. Um, and believe it or not, we've had some clients come in actually only recently enough where they've had a little bit of debt and they're getting overwhelmed with a little bit of debt. So sometimes debt's not all that bad. I mean, obviously a mortgage be what you'd call good debt. And again, we go through it in the book, the difference between good debt and bad debt. But from a good debt point of view, from a mortgage is good debt. Not many people have a few hundred thousand euro to buy a house. So you need a mortgage. When it comes to the likes of personal loans and credit cards, they're usually for, you know, projects that you might need. You could save for, but you want them quicker, which is fine. Everyone uses them. Uh, but it's important to keep an eye on it. You know, we always say to clients, and again, I mentioned this in the book, it's really important that when you sign a loan, you're actually signing a piece of your income to a banker for three years or five years. That's what you're doing. So when you get paid, 5%, 10% or 15% of your salary is gone. Mm. As soon as you get paid, it's gone at the door. So we want our clients to own their money, <clears throat> own their money and trying to put that 10 or 15% maybe into an investment account uh, and be able to you know, have interest in their account and grow their income and grow their money, their disposable income. And then maybe buy the car or go on the holiday from their investment account where they've been earning money rather than paying interest back to a banker. So it's just trying to flip your mindset. I think, to be fair... You see, peop- I, I think people's mindset around debt can sometimes be that it just feels so overwhelming mm. and the numbers can feel so big yeah. that they just... They just park it. If they've got too much debt, they do just park it. They panic. And I don't yeah. blame them because yeah. it can be quite overwhelming. Um, I mean, the easiest thing to do, we, we've developed what's called the debt ladder. The easiest thing to do is try and clear your smallest loan first if you're a bit overwhelmed with debt. 
a lot of other people would say in the industry clear the biggest interest but the biggest interest yeah, could take they say a the few credit years. card first like, yeah, well, you can switch the credit card usually somewhere like on post interest free for the first year and that kind of looks after that but if you tackle your smallest loan even if it's only three or 400 euros standing on a car loan or a person loan you'll just get that quick mental win that you've actually succeeded in clearing okay. something quickly so there's only four things on the list instead Ex- of five exactly okay. yeah and then you so take you literally make a list put the yeah. biggest one on the top the smallest exactly. one on the bottom and then go okay I'm focusing on the smallest I'm focusing on the smallest one I'm going to double down and get rid of that soon and then as soon as that's gone the repayments that were going to the little one bring up to the third one in that instance or the fourth one in that instance and try and clear that debt next so you're trying to step your way up to the biggest debt again it's about you know trying to give yourself those quick wings, wins like anything in life <laughs> trying to get the quick win trying to achieve something and you feel more motivated to keep going but if you're looking at a, a loan of 20 or 30 grand you're going to clear it instead of in four years instead of five it can be yeah, very demotivating yeah, yeah, and take okay. a long time to do it the actual granular of clearing debt then do you have you talked about priorities earlier mm-hmm. If you want to start clearing debt, does that have to become your main priority? You have to yeah. sacrifice a lot of other stuff. No, do you? it needs to be the main thing you do. And you might go back to the money diet then. I mean, nobody wants to be telling people, you know, oh, not to drink coffee or not to buy this lunch or not to eat out here. But I suppose everybody at some stage probably goes through a financial diet where, you know, you're buying your first house, typically speaking, will double down and get the deposit together as quickly as possible. If you're going to go out on your own in business, you probably double down and get a big cash reserve before you go. So we'll all experience this at some stage. So if you are going through it, just take it on the chin. This is going to take me two years, three years, 18 months, it's whatever it is. It's a phase. It's yeah. a phase and just double down. And there's nothing wrong with it as well. There's no shame in it. Loads of people have done it before. Loads of people do it again. So just get through it. And that's what, trying to, what I really wanted to bring out in the book was the well-being of money and how you should be handling all different financial situations and not to let it get on top of you uh, and not to let it you know money's supposed to enhance your life it's supposed to pay for the holidays the good times the nights yeah. out it's but not supposed to stress you don't have enough of it it's, it's, it's the it can opposite. be obviously yeah. frustrating you so just to stay with debt for one more minute then so the mortgage obviously is the biggest debt that most people and you would say most people if they're lucky mm-hmm. will, will have in their lives any tips there for managing the mortgage making it easier yes 100% I mean, the main thing you want to be looking at is interest rates in today's world. Uh, there's a lot of people out there, uh, you know, there's a lot of um, press and the interest rates are going to come down. I think the European Central Bank will probably start reducing rates by the end of this year for sure. Uh, when it will happen, we don't know. Probably the, in the second half of the year, in my opinion. Okay. But that's not that's good news for those on trackers. You mentioned trackers at the beginning there. I don't know what a tracker mortgage is. Um, that's good news for people on tracker mortgages. But I think people on variable rates and fixed rates, the Irish banks are still going to pass on interest rate hikes there. So, you know, if you're somebody, for argument's sake, that has a 350000 loan and you did well to fix it a couple of years ago, 2.5%, your repayment would be about 1380 a month. If you come off now, you're looking at maybe 4.5%, your repayment's now going to be 70 and 70 Whoa. So a massive jump, yeah. massive jump. Um, and the soil and killer there, actually, Brendan, is in the old one at 2.5%. The cost of borrowing off the bank, the interest you would have paid, say, over a 30-year period, would have been €150,000. That's what you would have paid the banker. And if you come back now, it's going to go up to 288000 So the move in 25 to 4.5 has actually cost the consumer grand over the lifetime of that mortgage. And don't forget, to earn €130,000 net, you want to be yeah. earning about two hundred grand. Yeah. So that's the impact. If you're on fifty grand a year, I break this down for clients all the time. If you're on fifty grand a year and that rate increase has happened, you're going to work for the next four years for no reason 
or in a paid a revenue and a banker's interest. And that's why you need to own your income and you have to own what's going on with your money and probably have a financial planner in the background. Okay, to so know back these to any, any suggestions for people then on how to make yeah, it fix, more Yeah, fix, maybe business. switch and fix it. Yeah. There's some really good rates out there still. Avant Money, a Spanish bank that came in a few years ago. Uh, they have a really good rate out there for the one mortgage. It's between 395 and 4.1% fixed for the term of for, your mortgage. For the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, you can overpay nicely on a yearly basis by 10% See, of the balance. I have kind of question now, I was wondering so we enc- we're encouraging young people to borrow hundreds of thousands, mm. right? And then we're also saying to them, and by the way, while you're at it, gamble on interest rates as well. Yeah, like, you're dead right. Do, like, whereas on the on the other hand, okay, a fixed might seem a big strain at the start. You might be overpaying yeah. a little bit, but it's the same amount for the next... 20 years. 100%. But don't forget, you're not actually overpaying in today's world. There's probably underpaying because the rates haven't been passed on yet. So you've got this sweet point at the moment where I think those rates are going to be really low for fixed rates and not necessarily for tracker holders, depending on what your tracker is. But you're right. And in the continent, if you look at over in Spain and Portugal, when you get your first time mortgage, you usually fix it for 20 or 24 years. That's the, nor- ridiculously the norm, low. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ridiculously low rates. And that is the norm. Um, but you're right because you're gambling then in five years or seven years. And again, not going back to the book too much, but there's a thing in the, we go through this in the book about peace of mind and a, a fixed rate. Regard, forget about what your neighbours doing, forget about everybody else. Especially if you're self-employed, or especially if you're doing, you know, a really hard job, um, you know, that you might want to slow down or reduce your hours in the future. The fixed rate brings in so much stability to your financial plan that you know what you're paying forever, and you're yeah. never going to get a letter in the door. And yeah. I don't think rates are. And ever there's enough uncertainty in the world sometimes. 100%, yeah. 100%, yeah, yeah. So look, uh, savings then, right? Now, presumably, you should say everybody should be saving. Some people just can't afford to save, obviously. Yes. Yes, I would say everybody should be saving. We have uh, actually on our Instagram page, Ask Paul, that we've got the saving challenges up since January, actually. And that teaches people to save from as little as one euro a week. So a lot of people out there could find one euro. Um, okay. And then you find another euro the following week, you save two euro, then three euro, four euros a week go by. And that will save 1,378. So you can start, uh, gets a little bit challenged as the weeks go by. Yeah. Uh, but again, if you can save one euro today, you're actually saving. Just to say, you're saving. Okay. You put so do it rather than not doing it, like even it, if you... A hundred percent. And even if it's only two or three euro every week for the time being. But yeah, typically speaking, you want people to be saving for short-term cash requirements and not investing. You can't really invest if you need access to the cash in the next five years, in my opinion. Uh, you know, if you're lucky enough to have a little bit of cash left over, or one of the biggest questions we get is, you know, we've got a lump sum, whether it's inheritance or unfortunately redundancy. What do I do? Do I pay off the mortgage? Do I invest it? Do I put aside for the kids? Uh, you know, people are very confused about this. But the basis is try and keep a little bit of cash for your short-term requirements, Brandon. So the next kind of two years, three years, maybe four years. Um, and then anything after that, yeah, invest it. You don't need to keep too much cash. I mean, the Irish banks are having a field day with interest that they're taking off the European Central Bank and not passing on to consumers. Um, so, you know, you need to fight and make sure, especially with inflation being so high, you need to make sure your money's making money for you. Yeah. So deposit now, accounts. You see, investing can mean lots of things to lots of people, right? Yes. So to an older, sensible person, it probably means the money goes into some kind of fund, somewhere yes. high risk, low risk, whatever. And then I see the kids. And look, we all did it when we were young, right? <laughs> like, I remember once a share tip from a guard 
<laughs> a, a guard told some guy uh, who he stopped up yeah. in Donegal about something his brother-in-law told him. And, oh, and we all we all piled in if you could. We did well out of it. But like this is the kind of crack stuff yeah. young people go on with. But the kids now are all oh, yeah. at home on their computer. Like it's become way easier well, even for one thing. Like, you can trade as but well. But gambling basically. It is gambling. You know, you're dead right. I mean, I always say to this, uh, I remember even a couple of my mates taking their phones out during COVID-19 and saying, I just put money into Netflix and look at the price. It's very easy to get into a stock. The problem is trying to get out of stock and when to get out of it is when usually yeah, people yeah. make the mistake. Now, leave it to the fund managers, leave it to the experts. Uh, I use a fund. Again, we bring people to this in the book. We mentioned a fund that we use. It's done 10%, over 10% per annum for the last 33, 34 years. Investing 600-odd stocks from around the world. Um, and you can get in there from as little as 100 euro. We've got clients okay. with hundreds going in, a million's going in. Um, yeah, let somebody do it free. Unless you're Where, like, where would you trend. stand on crypto? Yeah, not a, for some reason crypto hasn't had a bounce as people probably thought it had over would have rather over the last couple of weeks. Um, I think you know cryptocurrency has had its day. I don't think you're going to see the gains that it's had in the past, but it shouldn't be about gain. Cryptocurrency was brought in just to be, I suppose, competition to the to the system, to the elites. You know, to be able to move money around the world without people knowing. I suppose as well. Uh, yeah, being but it became by the banks. it became a kind of a demented casino. Exactly, then, and it's, there's nothing really behind it. There's no, it's not supposed to be. But again, it's kind of like a pyramid scheme, and that the more people get into it, the bigger it grows, and and, and it's being strings pulled. So I'd probably say stay away from it. I mentioned before on Instagram, I made a small investment into it just to kind of see what was going on and we did quite well in a couple of years but it was I've never seen anything so volatile in my life never yeah. seen money swing so much so but then again there'd be young people out there going do these granddads not understand that's the crack exactly of it, like. but also they're being I think not saying brainwash or trick but you know a lot of, there's, a, there's a lot of scams with cryptocurrency unfortunately mm-hmm. you know a lot of people on Instagram portraying a life of wealth from a crypto investment which is completely false and you've seen this in the States with the SEC going out like the Kim Kardashian and other stuff for promoting various various coins that went nowhere and kind of almost in a fraud case, you know? So you have to be very careful when it comes to crypto. Okay. Uh, will we do a few questions before we finish up? Yes, uh, please. What do you think of prize bonds for saving, Mary wonders? Maybe for the short term, for maybe a year or so, but yeah, not for a long term at all. They're, they're horrendous returns, especially with inflation being up over 3%. Uh, okay, uh, woman here, debt-free bar a good debt of a mortgage. I'm a single mum facing into college years for my two sons. My heart's in my mouth with the thoughts of the cost of third-level education accommodation. I gather I'm considered a proud member of the Working Poor Club. I'm earning 2K over the Susie grant. I feel ashamed that I can't seem to put money aside for the kids' education. Difficult on one income. Any tips from me? I know that's a um, again, I can understand that working for that's that's horrendous being two grand over the Susie grant, especially being a single income. Um, what I'd be looking to do is maybe putting the budget in place ASAP and seeing can you cut back and I need to spend that's currently in place. Um, and you know, trying to plan it, I'm not sure what age the boys are. I mean, if they're going to be 16 and 17, it's a couple of years away, it's very difficult to do anything nearly. If they're a few years away, even something like that, as Paul's saving challenge starts from one euro today and then trying to tweak your savings up over a few years, you might get a few grand together. Yeah. It's just starting small because what happens in that case is you feel so powerless you do nothing sometimes. Okay. So it's just starting something very, very small, even if it's one euro, and then tipping away every something year. Something rather than doing yeah. nothing. Yeah. Okay. Just uh, Noel here says, just on a week to week basis, I've been saving a fortune since I went back to using cash. I find a lot. I spend a lot less when I have to physically part with money now. Find it much easier to budget as well. Tapping is too easy, even with apps that help you monitor everything. Mm-hmm. Noel and I think uh, I think a lot of people would agree with Noel's that. Right. Uh, someone else says here. Having just gone through trying to finalise my own pension plans, can I warn everyone that the hidden charges can be shocking 
And look, notwithstanding, I think one of the reasons they get away with those hidden charges is because uh, the state is subsidising pensions so much anyway. You would say pensions are an absolute no-brainer. They're, oh, they're, they're the easiest. I mean, the, the life assurance industry and the, the government, to be fair, the revenue have done a really poor job here. We've got, we haven't got ha- anywhere near the kind of enrolment that we should have. Um, you know, the pension charge are a big thing. I mean, if you go to a bank for argument's sake, most of the banks are just a tied agency of the life companies. Uh, they would have horrendous commission charge on the way in. So a quick one here for listeners. When you're looking at a pension, there's a thing called an allocation rate. So if you see 95% allocation, you're getting ripped off. 95% allocation means only 95% of your money is allocated to the pension. The other five has gone on charges. And this is where, you know, from a consumer protection code, the central bank, that should be, it's a 5% charge. Yeah. You shouldn't be allowed to say it's yeah. 95% allocation because no one knows what it means. So yeah, if you have a pension plan, you're looking for 100% allocation first and foremost okay. and trying to keep the fund management charge as low as possible. The problem there though, Brendan, is that some fund managers are outperforming and they're, they're right to charge a little bit more, like you pay for anything in life. Okay. Uh, I think people would say a fund management charge is quite high, but if the pot's really small and you're starting off, it's okay. But obviously the bigger the pot gets, you need to negotiate. So once you get over 100,000, 200, 300,000. So they're um, taking the percentage off the pot every year. Not that, ta- that People yeah. would probably want to know that. It's yeah. not off what you're putting in. No, it's not off what you're it's putting in. It's already over the pot, whether it goes up in value or decreases in value. Uh, but again, the fund manager would be, the, the argument there would be that they're, they're managing the money as best they can. I think the biggest charge is on the way in to people that they don't understand. I mean, most people understand that concept of the management charge is 1, 1. 1.5, whatever they're going to be yeah. charged. But the um, allocation rate is the one to do. The allocation okay. rate, again, depending on where you go to get but your advice. Having said all that, oh, pension, I mean, no-brainer. Sure, it, it's it, like if you have, you know, with a 40% return from the central, from the, the, the government rather revenue, I mean, if you put €100 euro in your higher rate of income tax, you're getting €40 euro back. Now let's flip it. Let's say you give me €60 euro today and I give you back 100 That's a 60 66% return. Forget about crypto and forget about funds. You're not going to see a return like that guaranteed by a government anywhere. So it's fundamentally, and even if you're on the low rate of income tax, it makes sense. Fundamentally, the easiest and quickest way to build wealth, but it has to be part of the financial plan and it has to be right for when you're going into it. There's no point in going into a pension plan if you're struggling to get day to day with your money or you're snowballing in debt. So yeah. it's really important you only use pensions when it suits you and it's, and it's right for you, you know? Okay. The book is called Money Made Easy, Paul Merriman. Thank you very much. All very interesting. We'll take a break. Email brendan at rte.ie.